Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1, Season 6, Episode 10, Cure. Which was not called The Cure because Damien Kindler didn't want it to be mixed up with the band at all in any way. Or maybe they were afraid the band would be like, no. I don't know. That's what he said in the commentary. Because they did ask, like, why Why was it, like, Cure? Just because it's just, it's kind of weird to say, like, this episode is titled Cure. Because you wouldn't have put a the in front of it or something. Yeah, right? or Cured. Yeah. But just saying, but this episode, Cured. There's, I don't know. It's, it's a little awkward to say. And they were like, why? And he was like, because mm, the band. Yeah, it would have been right around the time when the band was super popular, yeah. Well, 2002. No. So, kind of on the back end of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, you know. Ish. I mean, they're playing Riot okay. Fest this year, so they're not nobodies. <gasps> they're making a second wind? Yes. Okay. Riot Fest. Sucks. Sorry. I, I'm currently drinking out of a cup that says Riot Fest sucks on it, because Riot Fest is ironic like that, and it's super fun. Anyway. Were they handing those out at Riot Fest? No, I got a drink from... Oh, deep Eddie vodka, and it came in right as socks cup because why not? So you you purchased said cup. Mm-hmm. I did because I saw it and I was like, I must have that cup because this is my sense of humor. So there you go. Fun facts for people out there in listener land. Anyway, riot fest. Okay, well should we get into the episode and find out more about cure? Yes. Okay. This episode, originally aired on August 16th, 2002, is written by Damian Kindler and directed by Andy Makita. And on the commentary, we have Damian Kindler, Andy Makita, and Jim Menard. So in this episode, an alien world offers Earth a medicine with the power to cure any illness, but the hidden price may be too high to pay. That needs a dun on on <gasps> What? <gasps> no. We have to save that for Tilk's revelation in a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just so replay be, that. <laughs> be, pre- be prepared, Rachel. Get yourself ready to give okay. me. Okay. Okay. Need it. Okay. All right. Okay. So we open on an alien world where a group of people are waiting for representatives from an alien world to come through the gate. And we see that this area around the gate still seems to be like an active dig site. So there's also like people working on excavating and doing other archaeological things. Uh, the two people talking here, I don't think their names are ever said in this episode, but like the political guy's name is Tagar and the commander is Commander Dolan. So oh, okay. I'm going to be using those names because I don't think they're ever actually said except for the commander to be called Commander occasionally. So those are their names. That's what I'll be saying. So um, it seems these people have only come to recently understand what the gate is and what it does. And the guy who's called Commander Dolan, he's a bit nervous because, you know, he has no idea who these people coming are and what sort of threat they might pose. Tagar is just like super excited to meet aliens. And he's also sure that the leader of this group will be a very brilliant and savvy negotiator, which just causes Commander Dolan to be like even more reason to be like cautious about what's going to happen. But then the gate kawooshes. SG-1 step through and Jack greets them with howdy, folks. Hi. Savvy and brilliant negotiator indeed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was a little surprised, but not surprised that they were still dressed in their greens, like, and not dressed up a little nicer for 
like legitimate first meeting. Yeah, especially because like the other guys seem to be in sort of formal dress rather than right. like combat dress. But right, yeah, there 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 may be rules about where and when the Air Force dress uniform can be worn. I mean, I'm sure there probably are, and sort of first contact with off-world aliens might not be allowed. Possibly, it might it it, it might be one of the things that the Air Force has said if they go off-world, they have to not wear dress uniform maybe yeah or i mean maybe even come up with a new sort of uniform but at the same time i guess they didn't know what they were walking into so still having camp combat ready attire i guess would be would be savvy i don't know yes okay so sg1 are then escorted to a meeting room and they'll get a full tour of the city once they talk about some things and get to know each other a little bit They do confirm that the discovery of the Stargate is fairly recent, and they have no idea how to use it, though they do know what it does, that it's like an interplanetary transportation-type device. And that's definitely something SG-1 can help with once they get to know them better. And then, as a show of faith, SG-1 are given a vial of a colored liquid of some kind, for which Jack decides to ask, in French, qu'est-ce que c'est? Which means, which what is, is this? And I'm like, they still somehow know, but I yeah. guess, you know, they could infer what he was asking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, why? Why break out the French, Jack? Like, I mean, I say that because sometimes it's just more fun to say, guess what say, rather than what's this? Mm. I don't know. So this is tritonin. It's a medicine that keeps their immune system from falling to any kind of illness. They have perfect health. <gasps> As we cut to the opening credits. And is it too good to be true? I know. Anytime anybody says something that's like, what's the catch? There's got to be a catch somewhere in there. Right. Okay, yeah, right? That's, yeah. That's what they offer up first. Do you suppose that their original intention was to have like some of those people try it? And kind of get, you know, for lack of a better term, get hooked on it and then be like, haha, you're in the same boat we're in. We're going, we're going out. I don't. Cut down, ghouled together. I don't think so. Because in, in a little bit when they say we're going to have to take this back to Earth, we're testing, they're like, oh, yeah, fine. Totally fine. Like they have no, like they don't push back against that at all. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't think so. But maybe they didn't realize we would be able to tell what was in it. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? No. They, I mean, yes, they, they yeah. didn't actually seem like maniacal, manipulative no. type people. Just, no. you know, just a thought. Yeah. Okay. Interesting thought, but I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but no. So, <laughs> so we come back from the credits and Tilk and Jonas are walking around that dig site by the gate. And as Jonas says, if they get to know these people, why not start at the beginning? They are then greeted by Zena Valk, who is the supervisor of this dig. Fun fact, Zena is a real name. It's of Greek origin, and it means life of Zeus. Oh, fun. There's a bit of like an awkward moment when Jonas and Tilk have to clarify they're not actually Earthlings. <laughs> though they are now on their, they're on the side of the Earthlings, but are not Earthlings themselves. Uh, Zena is very excited to meet Tilk, who she knows is a Jaffa, and to learn just everything that he could teach them. She starts showing them around and tells them that they discovered their gate about a hundred years ago, which is longer than Earth at this point, because Earth discovered the gate in the 1920s, which was like 80 years ago. So Mm. they discovered their gate before Earth did, which I was like, I think maybe, I don't know if somebody got that wrong and it shouldn't have been a hundred and should have been like 
50 or something, but like 100 is kind of a long time. It did seem to, it did seem kind of interesting. I know they kind of had to set it up for what they were going for in the show, but the, the like dig site and the discovery around the, their Stargate seemed like a really fresh kind of yes. dig site like not something that you would have been digging at for a hundred years already yeah like maybe 10 right sure but yeah, yeah. when she said we discovered it a hundred years ago I was like did you did you it doesn't look like you did I don't know about yeah. that I don't yeah. you know I don't know um and sort of so far she then goes on to say that this main part that they've uncovered so far seems to be where travelers would have been greeted upon arrival through the stargate which yes that, that makes sense yes Mm-hmm. Back inside, Jack and Sam are talking with, uh, about the Tritonin with Dolan and Tagar. They do admit that there are some side effects, though not what those side effects are. But whatever they are, they're minor and just require adjusting like the dosage of the medication. Sam and Jack insist on doing testing back on Earth and then adds that they've been authorized to give them 10 gate addresses as a show of faith in return, as well as teaching them the basics of gate technology. Dawn then counters with a list of their own gate addresses that they've compiled that they would like to visit. It's written in their language as well as some Gould hieroglyphs. So Sam would need to double check with the gate address database back on Earth, but three of them she recognizes as Gould homeworlds. Fun fact, the, the language of this planet, Pangar, so that the name of the planet is Pangar, uh, seems to be based off the Tamil language, which is the official language of Sri Lanka, Singapore, and the Indian state of Tamil Nadu, and the Indian territory of Puducherry. This is really interesting. It's one of the oldest surviving languages in the world, having been documented and used for over 2,000 years. And the earliest writings date back to 300 B.C., And then in 1578, missionaries from Portugal printed a Bible in the old Tamil script, making it the first Indian language to be printed and published. Fun. The word Tamil itself can be translated as self-speak or our own speech. Oh, okay, cool. I just thought that was interesting. So there you go. That's very interesting. Thank you all. Thank you. Like so it. Jack and Sam try very, very hard to talk them out of going to those ghoul homeworlds because, y- y- you know, ghouls, bad, don't go there, mm-hmm. no. But they insist because they believe them to be culturally significant. And also, SG-1 has gone to those places and survived, and surely they can do that too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, sure, yep, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they would have gotten closer to just be like, we know they're dangerous, we know there's ghouls, but we have our reasons. I don't know if that would have made a better argument other than just like, you did it. Yeah. But then they would have been like, okay, what are those reasons? Because we have very good reasons for you to not go there. And then they could have just been like, we're not, we're not prepared to share that information at this time. Thank you very much. And then they'd be like, well, then you're not getting the information from us. Mm, Well, I mean, would like, maybe yes or no like do they really have the right to to say like no we don't want you to go there so we're not doing it bye yeah I mean the other interesting thing is that like both on earth and on Abydos wherever there were writings about the stargate there was that world's like home address you know in the glyphs 
So it's very interesting that that information was not uncovered anywhere in any of the stuff that they have uncovered on Pangar. Yeah, that's true. Because, you know, that would be like the starting point for something. And because they, they're like, we don't even know how many to use. We don't know what combination to use them in. It's like, well, shouldn't you have your, I mean, knowing the home world doesn't, you know, if you try and dial that, nothing happens, obviously, because when you dial your own phone number, what happens, as we've learned earlier in Stargate? You get a basis. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I just found it interesting that, like, that bit of Stargate lore was not here as at least well, a starting off point. Yeah, well, know. maybe it was something done in how the planet was abandoned, as it were. Oh, I, yeah, possibly. You're like, no one is getting here. Yeah. Or it got buried because we learned stuff got buried. And they just haven't found yeah. it yet. Who knows? It could be buried yeah. farther. Anyway. Okay. So Zena is still leading Jonas and Tilk around the dig site and brings them to what looks like a door in the side of a hill. They've uncovered a series of tunnels leading from the gate to the main temple, most likely an escape route. She then leads them into a large chamber, which they believe has a fresco that tells the story of the Gould who once ruled this world. But there is part of it that they haven't been able to decipher yet. So Tilk says it's in an ancient dialect of Gould, but tells of the warlord Shakran. And Jonas adds that he was a system lord that was defeated by Apophis. Fun fact, as far as I can tell, Shakran is not a god in any religion. Oh, hey. Anytime I Googled him, any kind of spelling, all I, all I got were results for like Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> <laughs> or like links to like Stargate, like Wikipedia type entries about the the usage of the name here in this episode but yeah as far as i can tell this is not based on a real god in any religion of any sort so Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um they then go on to explain that apophis was killed quite recently although tilt doesn't say it was them that killed him which is interesting uh you know i think he used pretty good judgment in not being like we killed him we killed them all haha we hate them and just like keep that under the hat a little bit yeah yeah these people just be like he gone he's gone yeah i mean yeah i guess that makes sense yeah yeah Uh, she's like oh well this is great i'm just i mean we've learned a lot but what you guys can teach us even more so great then we see like a, a guard or another like dig worker leave and she leans in and is like there's something you need to know about the tritonin and then once that guy comes back in, she goes back to, like, her tour guide voice and, like, leads them to show them the rest of the ruins that they've uncovered so far. Which, I don't know, this whole dynamic of, like, there are guards watching me and don't want me to tell you secrets. Yes and no for what they're trying to hide. It seemed it, it seemed like they were kind of communicating the wrong kind of attitude of, like, I don't know. Yes, the, of course, they wanted to kind of keep secret what they were doing, but that the guards would be in the know and preventing people from talking about it seemed weird. I wonder if maybe she had raised some kind of objection before this, like when the Tritonin stuff was like starting, even though she's apparently on it. And so they, if they probably figured she would be having close contact with the alien visitors. And if they know she's objected to it in the past, that might warrant a guard or two keeping a close eye to make sure he doesn't spill the beans too early about maybe. stuff possibly maybe that they were like yeah okay maybe that they were watching her specifically so that she yeah. wouldn't screw up negotiations maybe maybe yeah yeah okay 
So Jack and Sam then meet up with Jonas and Tilk as they're heading back to the gate. And Jonas and Tilk tell them about what happened with, like, Zena and the whole, there's something with the Tritonin. And Jack's like, we're going to, like, go back to the SGC and start testing on this. You guys keep, like, working on Zena and see if you can get to the bottom of whatever's going on with it. So Jonas goes back and finds Zena back in front of the fresco. She's still deciphering. He's brought some help, like some of, like, Daniel's notes probably about the Gould language and stuff. And he looks around and he's like, okay, we're alone. What's up with the Tritone? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, there's there's nobody here. Tilk standing guard. It's fine. You can tell me. She's like, I don't know anything about the Tritone. And just like hurries off, leaves the like the tunnel, the room that they're in. And then Jonas follows and tells Tilk what happened. And they're like, somebody must have gotten to her about something. So like, that's interesting. She got a talking to. Apparently. Mm, yeah. So Jonas and Tilk are then kind of just like lingering around the camp. And once Zena leaves her tent, Jonas goes inside to poke around. He like ruffles through some notebooks, looks at some papers that were inside, including like a map of the city. And once he's. <laughs> the map of the city just looks like something you'd find in a video game. It did. <laughs> I was like, okay, sure. That's the most detailed map you have. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so he's figured out, he heads back outside to tell Tilk, so Zena is on Tritonin, so he's like, we should go check out, like, the facility where everybody gets their injections, maybe we'll find something there. So, as they head off in that direction, the camera sort of pans around to show Zena just on the other side of, like, a wall, having overheard everything Jonas and Tilk were just talking about, so... Hmm. Hmm. Jonas and Tilk are sneaking through the city, and they find where the Tritonin is made, which... There's like a weird, there was like a weird blue filter over the shot outside. Yeah. Okay, that happened. Purple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like, did my, did something happen to my DVD? Like what? I was expecting to see like somebody then like watching them, but that never happened. I was, I was very confused over why that very severe coloring decision. Yeah. Why why the entire place had a glow. And they didn't talk about it in, in. So, like, was it I supposed to be a weird sunset on that planet? We don't know. I don't know. It was just very weird. And, yeah. yeah, I don't know. But then they make their way into the building and, like, kind of poke around a bit. And they finally come across a large tank of bubbling water that Tilk says is full of gold symbiotes. And you can very faintly hear the screechy screechy, which please tell us what that noise is. I know. You can hear the signature sound that we don't know what it is. don't know what it is. And so... At this point, Jonas and Tilka are kind of, like, up on, like, scaffolding up above the main floor. There's then guards that are like, hey, who are you? Why are you here? They get into a little kerfuffle with some of the guards. Jonas ends up kind of going, like, through the railing with one of the guards. They fall into the vat of symbiotes. Tilk manages to, like, get there, pull Jonas out, but the guard goes under. When Tilk manages to get him out, there's a wound on the back of his neck. Oh, my God, he's a ghouled. Tilk preps his zat, but the other guards also take aim at Tilk with their weapons. And Jonas is like, hey, something's wrong. This guy's, like, totally out of it. He's not acting like he's been possessed by a gold symbiote at all. What's going on? Yeah. It's very strange. It is very strange. Mm. Dolan and Tagar then are, of course, totally offended at SG-1 sneaking around. And SG-1 is completely horrified that they have a vat full of gold symbiotes. Turns out... The symbiotes are used in the production of Tritonin. And they're all like, I'm sorry, what? What do you mean? What? What? 
no, that's no. Hold the phone. And then, you know, they talk about that for a bit. And then eventually they're like, okay, wait, if you don't know how to use the gate, where did you get Gould symbiotes? At first, and Dolan like refuses to answer, but Hagar's like, no, let's just, it's fine. We were going to tell them eventually. Let's just like play up, put all the cards on the table. We'll tell you everything. They're like, we wanted to see him. We wanted to see how you would react first. And Jack's just, Jack is just like, not well. No, yes. no, no. <laughs> but very calmly, oh. not well. So they take SG-1 back to the production facility and they explain that the use, of tr- uh, the use of tritonin is starting to become more widespread throughout the population. And there are several facilities like this all around Pangar. The symbiotes they use in the manufacture of tritonin weren't gotten by gate travel. They were all bred in the lab. And they take them into this other room and there's just a ghouled queen in like a fish tank who looks quite ready to birth a bunch of symbiotes. Like she's got this giant egg sac thing happening. It's kind of gross, a little weird. And just like, which going back to Hathor and how she birthed Gould symbiotes. What, what, what is, what is this? I don't know. I wondered that myself of like how, I don't understand how this whole thing works. If, if these are the different versions we're getting. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would, it would make sense if you're not in a host to still have some way to reproduce, but I don't think, I don't, this is just very weird compared to everything we have seen before this about Gould reproduction, if you will. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. So then SG-1 are taken to see that guard that had been infected by a symbiote. He's still alive, but completely unresponsive. And we learn from Tilk that the Jaffa were actually created as a way to increase the chances of a symbiote and host blending successfully, which also seems weird with stuff we've seen before. Yeah. So the fact that this symbiote was never in a Jaffa might have something to do with this guard's like total like unresponsiveness. Who knows? The other interesting thing is that the Pangarans believe that this is always what happens when somebody gets infected with a Gould symbiote. And you can see Ashton just like, no, like, no. He's just like flashy eyes, voice, maniacal, laughing. No, that no, this is not normal at Mm -hmm. all. Sam then suggests bringing in the Tok'ra for help. And then, of course, we get the explanation of the Tok'ra to the Pangarans. And they seem skeptical, but it might be the best chance that they have at this point. Mm-hmm. Jonas then finds Zena to apologize for what he and Tilk did earlier, like going through her stuff and finding the Tritonin facility. And she's like, yeah, I know, because you're not sneaky. Yeah, you're not smooth. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But also, this isn't really a good start to their relationship. Well, you know the relationship between their people so, right. mm-hmm. not not there but maybe you know, there the with the other thing with with, with everybody mm-hmm. else not just us but everybody else too yeah mm-hmm. so anyway but maybe he can make it up to her by helping to finish translating that fresco so we now have two tokra including malik on pangar and they seem to be as stumped as everybody else about what's happening but they do say that passing on genetic knowledge is actually a voluntary process so it's possible that the queen purposefully held back on that and that's why there's this as they say this blank slate thing happening with this symbiote and host interesting concept yes 
Also something that we is new. (laughs) Yes. We're learning so many things. We are. Really, yes. The Tok'ra might be able to remove the symbiote. It would be a dangerous process, of course. And then they asked to go see the queen. So they go see her. She's obviously very old. The Pangarans have apparently been using her for 50 years. Oddly, the Tok'ra are mostly just impressed at what the people of Pangar have been able to do with the Gould symbiote and not at all disturbed that they're using a Gould symbiote for like medical experiments. Which we should talk about. Yeah. <laughs> should we yeah. should, I get, should I get through like the little bit of like the rest of the scene and then yeah <laughs> talk okay so the other Tokra she's done like a scan of the queen and basically she's dying and like the other interesting thing we learn here is that the Tokra symbiote reproduce by like asexual reproduction of the queen to and Jack's response obviously is so is that why you take hosts it's like Jack Jack come on Jack <laughs> Ah. Anyway, okay, so yes, using gold symbiotes for medical experiments, Rachel, take it away. I am not in favor because, of course, gold are evil and do evil things and whatnot, but I don't, I don't really see the difference between one species using another purely for their, uh, you know, advancement. No. I, I mean, I don't know. They didn't even say that they tried to, like learn about it or communicate with it yeah yeah out if it was good or bad because i mean these were people that um you know were still learning about the gould in general and stuff and didn't know anything really except for what they could derive from the stuff they found so if you find like a live thing in a jar that you learn as an entire species wouldn't you try to you know study it help it like I don't know, try to communicate with it first before you're like, let's see if we can get it to, you know, help us medically. I don't know. Yeah, it it does seem strange that their first thought once, and we get a little explanation later about how they got to this point, but it does seem a bit like that's where you jumped to. Like that was your first thought. You didn't go anywhere else. You didn't think anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I agree. It's weird. It's it's ethically very icky, at yeah. the least. Yeah. And I mean, of course, the the uh, argument can be made of like, okay, well, yes, humans do the same thing with the breeding of food, um, <laughs> which is true. And arguments can, of course, be made one way or another on whether or not that's the right idea. That is also an open discussion. But like, yeah, it's I don't I did not like how how they were like completely fine with, oh yeah, I'm I'm okay with this. You know, the ghouls are bad, so why not also do the same thing? Like, what? How yeah. many people have accused the Tokra of just being as bad as the Gould? Or like so yeah. many conversations where they've had where the you know that the jab at the end of the conversation is like you're as bad as the gould like this is definitely one of those occasions (laughs) yeah yeah a little bit yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um thank you for coming to my ted talk (laughs) (laughs) i found it very very you know with the head tilt of like really really hmm yeah Mm -hmm. you should think about that a little bit more i agree you have anything to contradict it or add no, I think I think you you said that all very well, and yes, I I agree with everything you said. Yes. Mm. Woohoo! Every now and then. Yes, it happens on occasion. <laughs> 
Okay, so Jack and Sam are talking to Dr. Fraser and Hammond back at the SGC over the MALP, and the side effects that were like glossed over earlier in the episode are are quite bad. According to Dr. Fraser, the tritonin basically completely suppresses and replaces a person's immune system, kind of like what a symbiote does. And once you start taking it, you have to keep taking it forever. So there's no way they would be able to make enough for the entire population of Earth. It seems unlikely the Pangarans can make enough for their own people. And and Jack and Sam are like, yeah, they can't. Their supply is running out. And once it's gone and once the queen dies, because that's what's happening, once that runs out, everybody that's currently taking Trichonin will also then die. That's good. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they go back to talk to uh, Commander Dolan and Tagar, and we learned that the reason they wanted to go visit these ghouled worlds was to get another queen. This whole thing started about 60 years ago when the queen was discovered in a canopic jar in the temple ruins. They were able to learn that the ghouled never got sick, so they started experimenting on her. And sure, they knew there would probably be downsides, but they were certain they could fix those and just charge full steam ahead with whatever they were doing. It was like, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. maybe no. Also, I know that they were desperate, but I love how they were just like, let's go get another queen, because that's going to work. Yes. And then they go on, it's like, now that you're here, you can help. Like, go get another queen for us. And they're like, no, no, that's not happening. The only thing SG-1 is going to be helping with is getting them weaned off of the tritonin. Yep. So Zena, Jonas, and Tilk are working on translating some more. And we learned that Zena's father was the one that found the canopic jar that had the Gould Queen in it. Jonas then notices something in part of the fresco. And if this temple belonged to Chakron, then why does that bit over there say that Ra used to live here? Hmm. So then we cut back over to the Tok'ra and everybody, and they're going to examine the Tritonin. They doubt they'll be able to fix what's wrong with the medicine itself, but they might be able to make some kind of antidote that would allow the people currently taking Tritonin to have their own natural immune system restored. Like, okay, that, that, that doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, yeah that's something. So back at the fresco, it looks like Chakran captured this world from Ra, then imprisoned one of Ra's enemies. And part of it says, here lies Egeria, betrayer of the Gould. May she suffer for all eternity. Now, the name Egeria might be familiar because she was first mentioned by Anise way back when in like season four as the mother of all Tok'ra. <gasps> ah! Oh my God, what? So that that's quite the revelation to have found out. Yeah, that was a big yeah. one. That was a big mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So Joseph and Tilt goes to uh, find Jack and Sam to tell them about Egeria. And they're like, are you sure? And they're like, yep, 100%. We are 100% certain she's Tok'ra. And they debate for a little bit, but then they come to the realization that they need to go tell Malik and Kelma about this. Yeah. So they do. The Tok'ra, of course, insists that she has to be freed immediately, and, like, Jack and Sam's next stop is going to talk to the Pangarans about this, and it would be really helpful if they could tell the Pangarans that the Tok'ra had a cure, even though it's been, like, two hours? I don't, like, how much time has passed in this episode is very... I know. It seems to happen in a day, but they're like, do you have a cure yet? It's like, hasn't it been, like, an hour? What are you talking about? Yeah, the timing in this episode is just way off of, like, 100 years ago, still digging. Yeah. 
could have been an hour. Still, yeah. Like, how much time has actually passed in this episode? I don't know. I don't, it, I don't it's know. very Everybody's weird, wearing the same clothes the whole time, so we don't yeah. know. There's, we don't see any, like, sunsets. We don't see anybody, like, eating meals at any time. So, yeah, does this happen in, like, two hours? I don't know. It's very weird. Anyway. Um, but, obviously, they don't. Uh, but they do know that the Tritonin should be working better than it is, and they don't know why it's not. Basically, there's something wrong with the symbiotes beyond the that blank slate stuff, and they have no idea what it is and, therefore, no idea how to fix it. The Pangarans don't take the news well of the Tok'ra wanting their mother back. Like, they're just like, no, yeah, that so, can't. So all of a sudden when they learn, like, oh, she's one of our, oh, let her go immediately. How dare you? Yes. <laughs> they're like, if they if they take Ajiria, but like many of their people will die. It's like, but if the Tok'ra don't take her, all of the Tok'ra will die. Because as we've learned, there's like 10 Tok'ra left at this point. It's like drastic states for the Tok'ra at this point. So this is interesting though, is because then you kind of get the impression that like, not that the Tok'ra are just like basically ghouls that have made another choice. Like it's a, it's a lifestyle, if you will, (laughs) but it's like a breed. Kind of. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting decision. Yes. Because Ghoul, ghoul, we'll call them Gould symbiotes. All Gould symbiotes gain knowledge by what their mother, father passed on genetically. So all of Egeria's offspring have her knowledge, but does that also mean beliefs? Because right. if, if they're just passing on knowledge, that's just like facts. Is she right. also passing on her beliefs that these this knowledge is bad? Yeah which is an interesting thing to contemplate. It's a very interesting choice. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we then cut back over to the lab with Jiria in her tank, and we hear the sound of a zap being fired and somebody falling to the floor. Then Kalma enters, walks up to the tank, and like bows her head to her queen. Cut back over to arguing over Jiria when a guard enters and alerts everyone to a security breach in the lab. They all head over there, see Kalma, well... Kelma's host, because I believe Kelma is is the name of the Tok'ra symbiote uh, that was in the host. The woman is laying on the floor with a symbiote next to her, and the tank is empty of the symbiote, though the, like, egg sack thing is still in there, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I couldn't really identify the different parts to know, like, what happened. (laughs) Yeah, well, like, the the gold symbiote is, like, that gray-greeny thing, and the egg sack was kind of, like, pink and fleshy. Yeah. So there's that there's that sort of pink gelatinous mass still in the tank. So yeah. apparently the symbiote is able to like leave that behind, which is good because how could that whole thing fit in a human? <laughs> it was like, yeah. Mm. Anyway. Which also so, it's sad that she couldn't like get the other symbiote back in the tank. Yeah. I know. So like, couldn't she have like leaned over the tank and like the toker like jumped out of her mouth into the tank and then Nigeria jumped in? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, so, but basically, yeah, so what's happened, Kelma has left her host, and Egeria is now in Kelma's former host. And she's, like, unconscious for a little bit, because drama. Uh, while they're waiting for the host to wake up, Jack and Sam have a little side conversation where Jack seems positive that the Chokra have the solution to the antidote and just aren't sharing because they're pissed about Egeria. And Sam's like, that, no, that doesn't jive with what I know about the Chokra. And Jack's like, well, that's not 
how I feel about things because he has a very different opinion. <laughs> Agree of the to disagree. So, <laughs> uh, but then Egeria is awake. And Egeria and Malik have a very touching conversation. She's so proud of what the Chokra have become, but she is unfortunately too weak to live. Malik then introduces SG-1 and Egeria asks to speak with Sam. Sam's like, this is all a terrible mistake, but nothing was done maliciously. And Egeria says like she did the same thing and is kind of like, what does that mean? Hmm. What, did, what did you not do maliciously? Because you've been, hmm, interesting. Quick conversation back outside between Jonas and Zena, where Jonas tells her about the Nequadria bomb thing in, I think, like, an attempt to bond over their people, making moralistically bad choices, but for good reasons. Yeah. Something like that. Like, sometimes these things happen, but you just kind of have to accept it and, like, try and fix it and move on, I think. Right. Yeah. So uh, back in the lab, we learn that Egeria purposefully passed on a bad gene when making her offspring, hoping that would force the Pangarins to drop this whole Tritonin thing. But they didn't. They just carried on willy-nilly as they wanted. However, that doesn't mean they have to be doomed to death. Because since she's the one that made the problem, she can fix it before she dies. And I don't have any idea how she would have done that. Yeah. Because it, it's like, I don't know, it's genetics. How would she even also know how they were making tritonin if she was like stuck in a tank? I don't know. Yeah. Unless, you know, she has her hosts, the host's knowledge. So if the Tokra were able to determine what the tritonin is made of, taking the host knowledge of chemistry, genetics, science, and then Ajiria's knowledge of what she did, they might be able to fit yeah. those things together and say, if you do this, it will fix things. Yeah. Yes. Which I also find it interesting that, like, I could see her eventually sabotaging because all she would have known is, like, why do they keep taking my babies and keeping me in this tank? But I'm kind of surprised that, like, initially she didn't pass on everything she knew to, I don't know, her first batch of offspring or yeah. it, in the hopes that like I don't know one of them would make contact with somebody and be like stop this isn't this isn't right this isn't what we do yeah. here no 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 but I don't know that would that would kind of be against the toker beliefs of like willful you know willingly blending yeah. I don't know yeah I it's, don't know there, there's definitely some plot holes in this episode that are just like, but why and how? <laughs> Cock the head of really? Mm. Yeah. Um, but then it's sometime later, possibly that evening, maybe a week later. Who knows? There's no time stamps in this. We don't know when anything's happening. But uh, a Planetary has... time is in chaos. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, a has apparently passed away because the shrouded body of her host is being taken back through the Stargate by several other Tok'ra. Malik hopes to have the antidote, 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 antidote available soon. I think I tried to put antidote and soon together and got antidote, but that's antidote. not worked. I like it. Uh, uh, SG-1 are still there waiting by the DHD to head home, and Commander Dolan just, just hopes that they can repair any distrust that might still linger between Earth and Pangar. They're like, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. And then Sam dials home, and that's the end. And bye. Mm-hmm.
So that was the that was cure. Again, I wanted yeah. to say the cure. That was cure. Was yeah. cure. Mm-hmm. I mean, interesting concept. Yes. Plot holes of plenty. Yes. <laughs> that yes. that is what I have to say about that episode. Yes. <laughs> uh, so episode title cure. Obviously, like the Tritonin, but also then they need a cure for the Tritonin itself. So there's that. Hmm. Uh, only one fun foreign territory. Fun foreign territory title. Why did I make that like a tongue twister for myself I every week? Know. So, no, I don't. Know. Yeah. Uh, but just uh, in French, it was called the Queen. Oh, okay. La Reine. It was none of them were Toker Queen. No. No. <laughs> Everything else was like Cure or the Cure or something. No. So yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Final thoughts? It's fine. <laughs> Again, there there's like interesting tidbits, but some of the plot holes just override those interesting tidbits a little too much for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Okay. That's weird. Yeah. All righty mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And I do like the stuff that came after this episode, which Damien Kindler had no thoughts of that. They just took other people, took this in, and I was like, but what if? Which we'll get to in a couple weeks, I believe. We start getting oh. there. Okay. Mm. You're, yeah. You would good, fine, eh, whatever. Eh. Yeah. Yeah. More than anything, I would agree with it's fine. I. Because <laughs> yeah, like I said, like interesting thoughts, plot holes of many. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, plot okay. holes of many help with discussions on podcasts so <laughs> yes yeah, send us your thoughts what do you guys think about this episode did you like it was it better than fine do you think it's amazing what do you think about tritonin itself is it cool is it weird is it just gross medical experiments on gold symbiotes good bad let us know what you yeah. guys think would you take it mm-hmm. oh that's a good question would you guys take tritonin if it was available that's interesting would you, would you take tritonin if it was available no no i don't think i, don't I would think so. no now, maybe if it could be refined to use as a treatment for specific diseases, sure. But not as, like, medicine you need to take every day because it makes your immune system go bye-bye. True. Yes. Yes. That is how I feel about it. Alrighty. Okay. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us on Instagram at SG underscore rewatch. And now on Discord, you can check the link in the show notes. Or send us an email at woo, that's W-O-O-S-G, rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for Prometheus. Bye. Bye.